This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This is another podcast of World Wide Wave, the international LGBT news and current affairs show, every week on Australia's first LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9. Surfing the Globe, bringing you news, views, and current affairs for the LGBT community. This is the World Wide Wave. Yes, it's World Wide Wave time, Joy's international news and current affairs show. For and by the LGBTI community, World Wide Wave, we take you around the world one queer story at a time. I'm Matt, and we are live from the Joy Studios at the magnificent Victorian Pride Centre, where tonight I am joined by Stefan. Good evening. And hello, Alex. Good night. It was five years ago when we had a guest on the show that blew our mind. He told us of a little-known German man, Karl Heinrich Ulrichs, and what was special about Karl. Well, he was a German lawyer and jurist and the first openly gay activist of the modern era. In 1867, when same-sex attraction was taboo and the term homosexuality didn't even exist, he argued publicly that same-sex attracted people should be treated the same as everyone else. And Ulrich was not alone. His followers were, were called earnings, and for almost 40 years that became the main word for same-sex attracting men in Germany. They became perhaps the first queer political movement. To find out about the earliest of queer rights, we are joined tonight by Dr. Douglas Prestel, who was a doctoral candidate in history at La Trobe University and author of the thesis titled The Age of Earning, Queer Identities and Advocacy in Germany, 1864 to 1897. And for the first time in our new Joy Studios, welcome Dr. Douglas Pretzel from La Trobe University. Thank you very much. And it's lovely to be here. We, we, we hesitated in that intro in saying um, the... the uh, you were your um, thesis was in the works. It was going through the, the the marking, and you've got some breaking news for us from just about an hour ago. Yeah, uh, a couple of hours ago, I got an email saying that my thesis was passed without amendments, which is the highest level that you can uh, do with a history uh, thesis. So I'm very happy. Fantastic! Congratulations. So, doctor, doctor, now that's that's, that's two right. of them. Um, the last Duran Duran. Uh, the last time that you spoke to us, you were telling us, you, you introduced us to Karl Heinrich Ulrich, the, what seems to be the, um, the first gay activist, the first openly gay activist. Yeah. What's different in your second, in your most recent thesis? So I started with the correspondence of Ulrich. So I collected it from archives uh, around uh, Europe and also excavated it from within uh, the books that he wrote because he published some of the letters. Um, now, from that, I was able to get a sense of who his followers were. And that became, for me, the story, the thing to look, to look at. So I began to look at who these men were, what they did, uh, what, how they saw themselves, how they um, interacted with the world, how they 
began to take the first steps of activism themselves in various different settings. And they had a particular name, which was... Earnings. Earnings. Er so Earnings. Ulrich's made up this uh, name, uh, Urning, which was from uh, uh, Greek legend uh, Pausanias's speech in Plato's Symposium, uh, where uh, the Aphrodite Uranus uh, was supposed to have uh, children... Uh, that didn't have a father, something like that anyway. So the, he selected the Uranus um, to be the emblem for same-sex attracted people and invented the word Urning to go with that. And with that, he had a, a theory and an identity that he wrote about in his first books. You, you actually, I, I read in your thesis that um, one of the reasons he, he wanted to create new language around this same-sex attraction thing because everything that was out there was derogatory at the time. Yeah, so everything that was out there was either the name of a crime, of a sexual act, or of something that was prohibited or disgusting. So he took something, the idea of Uranian or anything from Uranus in Greek philosophy was celestial, was elevated, was better so by using the name Urning, he was suggesting something that was positive, uplifting and better. Wow, I love it. So uh, so coming out, you would be coming out as an Urning, really. That's right. And, and did, given that society wasn't accepting of uh, homosexuality or what we now know as homosexuality, were these earnings, earnings out, visible? Well, Within the 1860s, uh, really, Ulrichs was the only person who had a public uh, image through his books and through uh, a number of pieces of public activism. The first two other people that used the word earning in a public place did so in courts of law. So they admitted to being earnings in court. There is a suggestion that there may have been one or two people using the term about themselves publicly uh, because one of the people in the court case had used it publicly before he, w he ended up in court. But it's not really until the next decade, the 1870s, that you start seeing individuals like Jakob Rudolf Forster in Switzerland who publicly uh, own up to being earning in a very defiant way. And uh, in doing that, it, was that a safe thing to do? Was he persecuted? How did that roll out? Yeah, so Jakob Rudolf Forster, he's quite an indefatigable character. He was thrown into prison repeatedly to the point after 10 years, the authorities eventually gave up. <laughs> <laughs> We're because not going to change you. That's, just that's just be right. quiet. Go away. <laughs> that's right. So he, he, never, um, he never stepped back. From his activist status. Our guest tonight is Dr. Douglas Pretzel, uh, doctor, not doctoral candidate anymore, doctor at La Trobe University. Uh, coming up, we're going to explore the different types of earnings in the 19th century Germany. This is World Wide Wave. Where our diverse communities can come together. Joy. I am Bisi Alimi from Nigeria. For those who say homosexuality is a Western import to Africa, I am a proof that you can be proudly African and gay and fabulous. And I'm on World Wide Wave.
we are tonight in Germany. Uh, we put the call out um, LGBT icons, so send us your LGBT icons. We're talking about um, the the first, I guess, modern queer activist, and if you've got an LGBT icon, send us your message. Alex, have you got one to kick us off? Uh, look, I'd say James Baldwin was one of my icons. James the, Baldwin? Yes, author for African-American author. I read all these books when I was young. Great. Douglas, do you have one? Yeah, I'd say Edward Carpenter. He lived Ooh. openly with his uh, lover in Leeds in the Edwardian period. Wow, wow. Know, and wrote books as well. That's so. out there. I'd go someone a little more modern. I'm thinking Michael Kirby here in Australia. Oh, He's, yes. Yeah, very, um, uh, very forthright and... and yeah, so uh, our guest tonight is Dr. Doug- Douglas Pretzel from La Trobe University. Um, we do have some messages coming in, Stefan. We do have a couple of messages. So the, um, somebody reminding us that Aphrodite was, Uranus, uh, Uranus was the goddess born only of a father. In other versions of the myth, she is the daughter of Zeus and Dion, and that's Lauren. Yeah, can I respond to that? Of course. <laughs> Lauren is, of course, absolutely correct. She has a background in, in this area, and I completely fudged the answer there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got very smart people listening in who I are uh, here to help us tonight. <laughs> um, I think we had a question come in we have a question as, well, as well. Yes, uh, from Tash, listening in from Bendigo. Lovely to have you listening in, Tash. So. Um, Tash is curious about the flip side. Were there any women earnings or was that not a thing? Wow. So uh, Ulrichs did theorise about uh, a parallel um, uh, urnind to the masculine urning. And he did say in his books that he wanted to hear from uh, lesbians about their experiences. Uh, he doesn't seem to have received any letters, and that may have been because the front of every book said "man, manly love." It was unlikely that many women were going to read books with that written on the front. Uh, but there is also another reason. Um, in the 1860s, one thing that happened at the same time as Ulrich started his work is that feminism started in a formal, organised way in uh, in Germany. Now, when you get to the 1890s, people like Anna Ruling uh, wrote that in the early years, lesbians felt that overcoming the patriarchy was more important than fighting for their sexual rights. And therefore, uh, lesbian women in Germany devoted themselves to feminism rather than joining uh, with the earnings. Hmm. Um, And it wasn't really until Hirschfeld and 1897 that you start to see women as part of the movement as well. There seems to be a lot going on in Germany around this time, around sexuality as a whole. What um, what sort of made Germany this uh, focal point for discussion and, and um, delving into what sexuality was? Well, there are several reasons for that. I mean, I, I can give you them as quickly as possible. Hmm. Firstly, um, uh, Germany did not industrialise as early as some other nations. So really until the 1870s, it wasn't an industrial nation, it wasn't an urbanised nation. And what that meant was that the status of masculinity had not moved from an older 18th century idea until the 1870s, but it was in this state of transition in the 1860s and you had a model of masculinity that was about inner education, that was more 
a whole man that was both feminine and, and masculine turning into a bourgeois masculine man. In that lacuna of change, there was the possibility of both feminism and uh, gay rights or earning rights mm. uh, coming into that fold. But actually, probably the most important reason was Ulrichs himself. He was uh, an indefatigable uh, publisher of his ideas. He sent all of his ideas to all the most important people he could think of in Germany. And what, what happened was, particularly among psychiatrists, is they turned their attention towards the earning and started studying the earning. And that happened only in Germany at that time. How did he get his followers? Was it just by his presence that people were gravitated to him or was he out, you know, handing out pamphlets? Yeah, so Recruiting. One of the really bizarre things about Ulrichs is he appears to have not really known any other earnings before he started. Oh. Um, there were, he mentions six earnings that he'd managed to study uh, before he wrote his first two books. But the first two books were not intended for earning readers. They were intended for lawyers and for doctors. These were uh, books that were trying to persuade people to change their ideas. Uh, instead... He got a huge readership of earning men who saw the words man manly and bought the books and responded to him with letters. So They've probably been waiting for, for, to see this and going, oh my gosh, that's me. Absolutely. And the fact that Ulrichs was saying, I am an earning and this is the, the way I live my life uh, was intensely interesting to uh, other people who felt the same way. So letters flooded in from all over Germany. And after that, in his next 10 books, he was addressing specifically earnings as well as other people. He called people who were not earnings or earnings, he called them dinings. Dinings? Dinings, yes. Hmm? Heterosexual dining. So that brings us to this question of different types so you you mentioned several types. Can you talk to some of these? We've got ordinary, earning, discreet, professional. Well, they're, they're is this sort of like bears and chums <laughs> and da, 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 you know? Is that the way we? Is this the eighteen seventies version? So there are two parts to this. First of all, Ulrichs in his first theory put out a third gender theory, where he said that the earning was a male body with a female soul. Hmm. And um, not all of his readers agreed with that. <laughs> so he, he, uh, he received letters from people saying, look, I'm, I, I see what you're arguing and I'm like this, but I'm a bit different. So what he started to do was um, to elaborate different types of earning, which would, included the bisexual, the uranodining, which included... A masculine, manling, uh, a feminine, vibling, or an intermediate. And there were various other uh, subtypes that he had. The second area, though, is looking at his letters. I made a, de a decision to work out a typology of the different kinds of people who were writing to him. So I've, first of all, I have the ordinary earning. That's the person who responds completely to what Ulrichs is saying who's uh, enthusiastic, who joins the fight in an uncomplicated way. The second is the discreet professional, who is equally enthusiastic, 
but because of their position in society, because of their importance, they're unable to commit to the cause in the same way. Then there's the isolated earning, the, um, the, uh, the married earning, I think it was. The married man, yeah. Uh, and then um, the ambivalent, ambivalent manling and cross-dressing wibling. So those are the subtypes. Did, there's also the blackmailer. What, what's the blackmailer? Yeah, so there are, there are two distal groups that may or may not be earnings, and they included uh, soldier um, prostitutes mm -hmm. and blackmailers, so people who preyed on earnings to make money. And some of them were earnings themselves. Our guest tonight is Dr. Douglas Pretzel from La Trobe University. We're talking all things queer Germany in the 1860s, 1870s. And uh, coming up, we are going to uh, find out what the legacy of the earning movement has been to LGBT rights. You're on World Wide Wave. For all voices, this is Joy. This is Dr. Sean Cole from London College of Fashion. Some things go out of style, but World Wide Wave never does. You're on Joy 94.9. And you're on the show that takes you around the world one queer story at a time, World Wide Wave. A special hello to everybody listening to us on podcast. You can subscribe to receive our podcast automatically either at joy.org.au forward slash worldwide wave or on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform. And don't forget to leave a review. Now, before we get back to uh, Germany, just want to touch this weekend is Pride March time. Massive uh, festive time as well as, uh, you know, representative of Marching for Rights. Um, this year, even more special because it's going to pass right where we are now in St Kilda, right down Fitzroy Street, St Kilda, where the new Pride Centre is. Uh, so it's on this Sunday, starts at 11am. <clears throat> you can either come down and join the march, you can stand on the street and watch or in a uh, one of the cafes and restaurants. Um, if you can't get here, that's okay. Joy will be broadcasting live this Sunday. So tune in to Joy 94.9 to uh, hear all the atmosphere and all the energy of this year's uh, Pride March at, at St Kilda. Now, uh, our guests, we are talking... Um, we had a message in. We were talking icons before. Uh, some uh, Who was this? PJ says, uh, do they have to be Australian? No, PJ, we take them all because you've chosen a cracker, Harvey Milk. Harvey mm. Milk, the, the uh, American um, politician. He was only a sort of a local level politician, but he had a massive impact around the world. And he was the one who really um, championed the cause that you've got to come out. People have to see you if there's mm. going to be change, see you and accept you. So thanks for that idea, PJ. And we've had more messages. Uh, some questions for you, uh, Douglas. So from Annabelle, can you tell us how widely Ulrich's work spread or, or were read around the world? So um, they were probably not widely read outside of Germany and Austria and, and Switzerland. Um, Magnus Hirschfeld estimated that they had very small uh, print, print runs and that not many people read them. But we know that two of his books, Argonauticus and Incubus, went into second and third um, editions around the two big trial around the big trial of um, Zastro in Berlin um, so there was a reasonable readership and what we know is that the 
the books themselves passed from hand to hand. Um, there's a, a lovely story about Jakob Rudolf Forster when he hears about Ulrichs. He's in uh, a, a train hotel and this uh, train guard called Kleber, recognising that Forster was probably an earning, handed him one of the books <laughs> and said, you should read this. <laughs> and Did he changed his life. And go, oh my gosh, do I look earning? <laughs> Um, you mentioned there the trials, and there were two big trials in 1867, and they really did attract mass media attention in Germany. Um, tell us a bit about them, and, and how did they impact the earning movement? Hmm. So there were two trials. The trial of um, uh, uh, Feldmann, which was in uh, Bremen in 1867, and the trial of Zastro, which was in Berlin in 1869. The the first one, uh, Fritz Feldmann, was a friend of Ulrich's, someone who Ulrich's cared about a lot, and he was so shocked to find out that Feldmann had been arrested that he sent copies of a book he was writing to all the jurists, all the lawyers, uh, as many pe- public people as he could think of in Bremen, and they passed from hand to hand, and there was a, there supposedly um, it was talk of the town in the city of Bremen. Uh, around this trial. And um, when it came to trial, uh, the Fritz Feldman was completely unrepentant and said that he felt the law was unjust and uh, uh, badly used and that he was proud to be an earning, uh, which was an astonishing thing for someone mm. to say in a court of law. Um, unfortunately, he was sent to prison for a year for that which was probably a very stiff sentence, um, even in Germany at that time. Zastro, though, was a slightly different case. Zastro had uh, books from Ulrichs in his library. He was a, an upper-class painter. Um, he publicly said uh, that he was an earning to friends and to family and was very open about that. Um, but there was a... There was a horrific um, sexual crime against a tiny five-year-old boy called Emil Hanke, and Zastro was uh, suspected of it. It's thought that Zastro probably wasn't the person who did it. In a court of law, the evidence that was brought in the court um, probably would not have been sufficient to get a conviction at a later date. But the public hysteria, the sensationalism, case, of the it. sensationalism, meant that uh, the jury found him guilty. And and did that then? So for the earning movement, did that then sort of? Did people then say, well, all earnings are these vile people? Well, it's interesting. This Scott Spector, who's a very eminent. Um, uh, uh, academic in this area, he wrote a book where he felt that the sensationalism and the brutality uh, became married with the idea of the earning and the idea of sexual deviancy mm. um, in a sort of nexus at that point. From Ulrich's point of view, he said um, he never got more followers to the movement than through the the Zastro case and the two books he produced then, because the books became sensations. Mm -hmm. What he argued in those books was not whether Zastro was uh, guilty or innocent. He argued that how could a man have a fair trial with this atmosphere? 
Um, and uh, he also wrote that brutality uh, was not something that was typical of gay people any more than it was of straight people and gave repeated examples uh, across both uh, gay and straight people in history. He, he really did, like, he didn't stop, did he, a powerhouse. But in your thesis, and I'll pull out a little quote here, assessing the legacy of Ulrich's activism is not straightforward. Ulrich's was the first recognisable modern queer activist, but if evaluated purely on the effectiveness of his campaigning for law reform and public acceptance, he ostensibly failed to deliver on either objective. Yeah. Was he a failure? I don't think he was, and that's the argument of my thesis. So uh, the very first thing, I think his campaign was realistic. Uh, There was a very real chance in the 1860s uh, with the way Germany was developing that... uh, his intervention could have averted uh, an anti-gay law. Unfortunately, the Zastro trial meant that didn't happen. Mm. Um, he went into exile in, in 1880, believing that his campaign had uh, failed. However, um, I believe that the men who then went on calling themselves earning and the activism that they had is a sign of the success of his campaign. We're not earnings today, though. So, what? what how, why did that disappear as a concept? Was that just because it was a, a, a German word and it didn't get traction further? Well, I think for for thirty three years at least, it was the dominant word in Germany. But Ulrich's original theory had emphasised the effeminacy of uh, earnings, and there were always a group of uh, earnings who didn't feel that they were effeminate in any way. Mm. And by the 1890s and the uh, early 1900, there were people who rejected the name earning because they were masculine. And they called themselves the masculists or the masculinists. Um, Increasingly, they adopted uh, the name homosexual in preference Mm -hmm. uh, to earning. And probably by the First World War, uh, that word started to eclipse the earning word. For you, you've sort of delved into the personal lives of these people from another time. What what did you get out of it and, and what did you learn from these, you know, um, very personal letters from the 1870s? So the first thing is how modern they sound, how their what concerns, well, their concerns, the things they, they want to see in their lives, the the aspirations they have around their sexuality are the ones that we have today. And that was very striking. Second thing is the extraordinary bravery of Mm -hmm. these men. Uh, I mean, they were not following a model of anything that had gone before. There was no society that they could look to anywhere else in the world saying, you know, they had gay law reform, we Mm. should follow them. Mm -hmm. They, They could look at... France had repealed the anti-sodomy law, but they did so uh, using liberal values, not out of sympathy uh, with the the sodomite. Um, So really, they were, the earnings were self-generating their own justification. And it was an extraordinarily brave, extraordinarily brave thing for these people to do. Trailblazers. Yes. Um, is there is there more for us to learn from this period? Uh, 
Um, I, I hope so. Um, I think I've given a fairly complete account, probably the, the most complete account of, of that period in history. Um, but I would certainly hope uh, someone would look at what was happening with women in mm, particular mm. Uh, during the same time. Uh, it wasn't something that I could cover in any depth in my own thesis. You know, you're, you're limited to the number of chapters and uh, the fields that you can cover. But I think there's certainly a lot of work to look at what they, what people like um, the the feminists who were lesbian were doing in the 1860s and 70s. And so, what's next for you? And you've you've had you've had this ticked off for all of an hour now. You know, what's your next move? <laughs> well, I'll be looking for postdocs. Um, I, I've been making applications for postdoctoral positions. Uh, previously but generally before you got the examination the hit rate is is relatively low but i will be from now on uh with new fervor applying for postdoctoral positions probably outside of australia right yeah Wow. Our guest tonight dr douglas pretzel uh doctor uh in history at La Trobe University, right here in Melbourne, and author of the thesis titled The Age of the Earning, Queer Identities and Advocacy in Germany, 1864 to 1897. Douglas, thank you so much for coming in to join us tonight. Thank you for having me. Listen live or on demand from wherever you are in the world. Stream us live on joy.org.au or subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform to World Wide Wave. Boa noite. This is David from Brazil, listening to World Wide Wave on Joy 94.9. And you're on World Wide Wave. Show that takes you around the globe, one queer story at a time. And uh, um, we did have a late question come in, and we did before uh, Douglas left, we did ask him. So uh, thank you, Gay. Uh, just wondering if Ulrich got those papers back that were taken from him. Uh, no, he didn't, sadly. Um, but... They have come back to life right now in 2022 in Douglas's uh, thesis. And also an icon message has come in uh, from Tash. An icon for me as a trade unionist is Mark Ashton, founder of Lesbians and Gays Support the Miners, which was um, mm. the, the, the movie Pride really, you know, yeah. took that story um, to the mainstream, showing that human rights are union business. Thanks, Tash, for your message. Receive LGBT news from around the world throughout the week. Like Worldwide Wave on Facebook now. A huge thank you to our guest tonight, Dr. Douglas Pretzel, a doctor in history at La Trobe University. The thesis we mentioned is titled The Age of the Earning, Queer Identities and Advocacy in Germany, 1864 to 1897. You can find out more about Douglas and his fantastic work at latrobe.edu.au. And thank you to all those who have sent in um, messages and questions. Um, Vasco, Michelle, Bobble and a heat more. And all the messages we had in on the SMS tonight, tonight, so tonight, many of them. Yes. Thank you so much. And if you're interested in Facebook, W3Joy on Facebook. And behind the scenes, our fabulous podcaster, Peter, and also our social media master, Dean. Catch you next week on World Wide Wave. Ciao. Thanks for listening to another podcast from World Wide Wave the show that takes you around the globe one country at a time. World Wide Wave is the international news and current affairs show on Australia's LGBT radio station Joy 94.9. You can listen live every Tuesday night on 94.9 FM in Melbourne.
and online at joy.org.au. You'll find all our podcasts at joy.org.au slash Worldwide Wave, or follow us on Facebook for the latest international LGBT news. Search W3Joy on Facebook now. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.